All right, so what's new with you, man? <clears throat> what is new? Man. Um, new haircut. I got a new haircut. Yeah. That's new. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yesterday was the uh, my 15-year leg of I saw that. I saw that, yeah. man. That's awesome. So that's a big deal. So we had... Uh, my wife surprised me. We had a couple friends come over and hang in the backyard and, you know, had some sweet treats. That was nice. Yeah, uh, a little bit emotional about it at all? At this point, I mean, I was emotional, but, but yes, yes. I, it just was more like, uh, I just felt like, you know, and feel really uh, just thankful, you yeah. know? So yeah, I mean, with, with cancer, like I remember my doctor was like at two years, have a party, you know, and at five years, have a big party and get a cake. And then at 10, go crazy, you know? Um, <clears throat> and we did all that, you know? And so now at 15, it's amazing. Welcome to the Positive People Posse Living Room. I'm your host, Dom Green, founder and life enthusiast of Positive People Posse. Today is actually a take two. Um, it was about maybe two months ago, we were supposed to sit down with Billy Brimblecom and actually do this living room episode. And for some reason, user error happened and it was all on me, but I'm glad you're able to jump on again. I appreciate it. Actually, this is probably going to even be better because we're even more familiar with one another. So. Yeah. You yeah, know, uh, there's Billy. Thanks again for being on. Yeah, man, I'm happy to do it. I, I, I think I told you when when you reached out that that our first episode was lost or whatever. That I did a podcast. A friend of mine has a really great podcast uh, called Third Gear Scratch. He's a musician friend of mine, Alan Epley. He's an incredible musician and guy. Third Gear Scratch. It's a pretty cool uh, podcast. But I did. I met with him in person. And he lives in Chicago and it was this whole thing where he, he had like three interviews and then a bunch of all this stuff recorded. And then when he was, he, he, it all got lost basically. <sighs> and it was terrible. And so we had to do it over too, uh, uh, as well and over FaceTime. And, and I think it was better. I think <laughs> it was better. You know, uh, this has actually happened to me a couple times. So, um, yeah, I need to learn, you know, it's all these learning lessons constantly. The world just yeah. shakes you up a little bit, but, you know, so be it. You know, let's roll with the punches and we are human. We make our mistakes and you know, right. we are where we are. Um, yeah. You know, just to get started, because the listening audience, they might not be familiar with you. How did you get your step into Steps of Faith? You know, tell me a little bit of a brief backstory for people to know who you are. Yeah. I uh, run a nonprofit called Steps of Faith Foundation. And so to answer your question, how I stepped into that. So uh, long story short, in uh, 2005, I lost my leg to cancer. I had the, the type of cancer called Ewing's sarcoma. And it was in my um, left ankle. So that was crazy. You know, a musician at the time, uh, a full-time musician at the time and you know, worked at, as a bartender when I was home from tour and things like that. I was 28 years old. And um, 
so that was terrible, but obviously it worked out, you know, and uh, I, I um, lived to tell the tale, thankfully, and, uh, you know, fortunately had health insurance and got a great prosthetic leg, and um, so we could talk plenty more about that, but fast forward to, uh, so it was 2005, fast forward to um, 2013, I was living in Nashville, Tennessee with my wife. Um, we had moved from Kansas City, where I live, to uh, Nashville to pursue more opportunities uh, as a musician, to work as a musician professionally um, more. And um, uh, I was at my prosthetic shop talking with my prosthetist, which is a hard word to say, so we just say leg guy. <laughs> talking with my prosthetist, my leg guy. And uh, I was about to leave my appointment and he, he said, hey, I, I'm about to see a new patient right after you who just lost his leg to cancer. On your way out, you wanna come with me into the room and just talk to him for a minute. I think it could be helpful for him to see somebody who's been through what he's going through, but you know, is years down the road on the other side of it. And I said, man, I would love to do that. I, I feel like that's part of why this happened to me and I don't get to have conversations like that very often. So let's do it. And so we walked in the room and I talked to the guy for maybe five minutes and I could just see the kind of hope in his eyes and just he just seemed so excited. and uh, It was great, really short chat. And I left that day uh, just thanking God that I was able to speak that language, so to speak, to him. You know, it's it's it, you know, anyone can have empathy, especially if you try. Uh, yeah. What anybody is going through, right? But it, there's there's we always want to be able to talk to people that can relate specifically to problems that we're having. You know, and that is a problem <laughs> where it's maybe a little bit harder to find somebody that can relate because they've been through it versus like you know oh man i had a root canal once you know or yeah. whatever you know and so um those are also no fun but losing a leg is worse for um, sure yeah. you've had uh, both i'm sure right I've had both. <laughs> okay <laughs> and, uh, yeah and so uh anyway I, I just was so thankful that i was able to talk to that guy and then i went home to my wife, we had a brand new baby at the time, uh, who was just a few weeks old, our, our first baby. And again, I was working as a musician, but at that point with the new baby, m most of my work, some of it was in the recording studio. And that's kind of what I moved to Nashville for, was in hopes to be able to be in the studio more. But, but most of my work was on the road, which is great, but it's bittersweet because you're away from home and you're away from your family. And I was like, I'm not leaving it's hard enough to leave my wife. I'm not leaving this new little baby, you know? So I was looking for a job, you know, like another job to do, you know, a new career or something. And, uh, and I, so I, I went home and I told my wife, I said, I wish that, that I told her about that experience talking to that guy. I said, I wish that that could be my job. Mm -hmm. Then the next day I had another appointment with my prosthetist and I told him the same thing. And he said, well, maybe it and I kind of laughed and, Anyway, shortly thereafter, he introduced me to the guy who was his boss, who owned the prosthetic clinic, and uh, that guy's name is Rob Pittman, um, the owner of the clinic, and uh, Rob and I had a couple conversations. The first one was maybe about working together, and I was like, okay, I didn't really understand how that would work, you know, and so um, 
anyway, in the second conversation, uh, he, he just, he, he told me that he said, I, 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 he, I said, yeah, I don't really, I mean, what do you have in mind? I was like, what am I going to do like social media for the prosthetic clinic? I just didn't understand. And I don't really think he did either. Yeah. But we just like the idea of us. He felt like we should figure something out. And um, long story long, uh, <laughs> basically what happened was, you know, he and I had kind of been talking about talking for about a month at that point. So I had been thinking, okay, I have an opportunity. What is it with this guy? You know, what could I do for him or his company or whatever? And so I told him, that and I said, you know, I, I can't really figure it out. You know, I said, I said, yeah, I'm a creative guy, I'm a musician. I said, so the idea of working for what is basically a specialty healthcare clinic, you know, even though it specializes in this thing that I need, I said, bums me out. I just don't really see myself in this setting, you know. And he was like, oh, okay. And I said, but when I talked to that guy that day that started this whole series of conversations, I said, the idea of being able to be the bridge to hope and comfort to people in situations like that, uh, to, amp to other amputees, I said, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. And then it's like the light bulb went off for him and he was like, okay, well, I established a 501c3 four years ago. I just renamed it. It's been sitting dormant. It, you know, it's hard work trying to make this happen. I'm running the prosthetic clinics what if I bring you on as executive director and you try to make this steps of faith thing fly? And uh, that's how it, that's how it all got started. And what steps of faith does specifically is, is it's 501c3, it's a nonprofit public charity. We help amputees all across the country that have no health insurance and, uh, or uh, health insurance with no prosthetic coverage. So they hit, so therefore prosthetics, just like anything medical prosthetics are very expensive. And so, um, uh, if you don't have health insurance, it's almost impossible to come up with five to $100,000 or whatever it might be to get. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's what, that's, that's how, that's the very long version of how it, how it uh, fell from the sky into my lap and changed my life seven and a half years ago, I guess. And, um, and what steps of faith does. Something like that. That's all about energy and focus. But like, I think that you were being very true to yourself. Like it's, often sometimes we just kind of accept you know what what's like in front of us and we just say okay well regular job you've never done anything regular at all just being a musician right you know, what music is very uplifting so um would you say that it's more of like that um you know your faith is uh you know very energy focused and always searching for something more you know is that what you were feeling at that point in time uh that's a good question yeah, i mean at that time i just was really open to well okay a, a couple things to answer that question I, I i yes you know is this would be the short answer but i just had kind of felt for some time even before our son was born that there was kind of maybe more you know and that's not and yes some of that was struggling to make a consistent living in music and so it's easier to be like well this isn't working as well as i would hope or whatever so you, you know what i mean so it's easy to kind of think that way but that year before that in 2012 was actually like a great year i mean i wasn't 
making baller money or anything like that, but I was working consistently as a musician the entire year. And a lot of that meant being away on the road, but um, you know, fantastic adventures doing great things. So, so it, it was, it was working like what I moved to Nashville to do was happening, which was great. Right. So, but I still had this kind of pull in me where I kind of felt like there was more. I didn't know if it was a, a totally different career. Um, but um, I had this thing in me that I, you know, I was, I was very moved by talking to this guy for five minutes and things like that happened. I felt that way anytime I encountered something like that. So I just was like, I just want to help people. Yeah. This is kind of thing I had in my head but I wasn't like thinking I should pursue a career where I can help people, you know, because sure. I always had kind of felt and, you know, not to be holier than now or whatever, but I always just felt like as a musician, I was helping people, you know, on a good night. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, a, a good night of a concert, you know, hopefully people it's an, it's an escape and people are having fun or it's emotional or whatever. I mean, that's what music can do for me or that I, and the records that we would make that, you know, that it would be this thing that people would enjoy and that's helpful. So anyway, again, long answer to a short question, but I, yeah, I just, it kind of felt like there was something else to happen. And, and now of course, hindsight, it's easy to see, you know, there was this thing that was being prepared for me that, I mean, really fell into my lap. I mean, it, it was seriously like my second sit down conversation with this person, you know, and, and really he kind of, I mean, talk about blind faith. I mean, it was really like a hasty decision on his end. I mean, he, he may have done some more due diligence and kind of like asking Eric, that's my prosthetist, you know, about my character or whatever, because I'd been with Eric for the, uh, six months, maybe at that point, you know, as my prosthetist. So all that to say. You just uh, got the keys. You just got the keys to the wheels. Didn't even know if you were licensed and insured. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. The car analogy is good because I always, I've often said that that conversation basically ended with Rob tossing me the keys to a car with no engine in it. And so see if you can get that up and running. Yeah. You know, and not I, knowing I, how much it was going to cost or whatever. Oh yeah. Well, it's funny. Rob and I are, are, are still in touch for sure. And, and he's, he's involved peripherally, but he, uh, you know, he rolled off of our board of directors by choice a few years ago and, you know, kid, kids and kids in college and all that. And also it's like, you know, the bird is flying. He can yeah. he, he's able to release it. Right. But, but when, <clears throat> the day he told me that he was like, I think I'm going to leave the board and I, I think everything's, okay, you know, and that's, and that's a good thing. Uh, <clears throat> I joked to him. I said, I got to say, I think that, would you agree if either of us knew how hard this actually was going to be, we would have never done this. And he, yeah. and he was like, absolutely. So again, you know, it just, it just kind of honest, out real statement and yeah. also congrats man 15 years cancer free you just celebrated yesterday that's, yeah that's a big that's a big milestone right there yeah thank you yeah it's uh, 15 years that's huge <clears throat> yeah it's it's a big deal and i and I, and my life just you know as as uh you know all of the best things in my life for the most part you know barring relationships that I had before that happened that I still have, which is most of the relationships I had before that. Most of the friends I had back then are still my friends is my point. Barring that, all of the best things in my life have happened since then, you know? Um, 
you know, it seems kind of crazy to think that something so unthinkable can happen to somebody and it can bring on so, you know, God can redeem anything. I mean, that's the moral of the story, you know, and so, something so terrible happened to me and no one would want to have their leg amputated or anything amputated for that matter, you know, and I mean, that, that was the nightmare. I was never even thinking about dying when I had cancer, even though that was a very distinct possibility. You know, that's why I got my butt kicked for 13, for a year and 13 rounds of chemo and ultimately had a, a limb removed, you know, was so that I would survive. But the thing I was most scared of was losing my leg. And, you know, I met my wife about a month after that, you know, I was bone thin, no hair anywhere, one leg, you know, not, not hot on the singles market back then. But it worked out, um, you know, and, and our, our, it looked like it was, I would maybe not be able to have children because of the chemo. Um, and that proved to not be the case. And, and uh, you know, and Steps of Faith is something I would have never even known. I would have known nothing about amputees or prosthetics had it not been for losing my leg. So, so you know, it's kind of, it's pretty, I can look back. I wouldn't change it. Yeah, that's what I always, I kind of always think about, like, you know, if I hadn't been doing this, who would have been the people that I hadn't met, you know, would have, I would have never met certain people in my life, or uh, maybe enhance other people's lives and stuff. Um, so I do believe that it's like, that's even more powerful to even think about that. Think about all the people that you've been able to help, um, you know, just as through friendship or whatever it could be. Uh, you've met people in the process because of what you do now with Steps of Faith. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it's a real blessing, man, you know, and yeah, and, and I mean, yeah, just how, just the relationships I've formed through the job and, and uh, it, it, that's, you know, any, all businesses relationships. And yeah. I used to always say that in the music business, that's even more important you know, um, and, and, and furthermore, old kind of adage about not mixing business with pleasure and don't, don't do business with your friends and all that. It's like, I don't, that's, that's antiquated thinking. That's over. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe in some forms of business, you know, but it's definitely not the way I have ever thought. And, and that is, and, and just naturally, you know, I mean, I, I went to college for one year, barely. And it study jazz drum set right <laughs> so so but but what I was doing <clears throat> throughout high school throughout my college years even though I was only lived I only attended for one year you know really really everything I had done up to the point of getting the steps of faith job and even now and it, it, it it's only in the last few years I've realized that like what I said, that business is relationships. I, I kind of do the same thing in this job that I did as a musician, which is really just like build relationships and do cool stuff together. I mean, that's it. And to, even to the point of, again, I, I, I don't have a degree, so I don't have a nonprofit management degree. I don't have a business degree, anything like that. But I have been in business my whole life. It's just not these traditional <clears throat> routes of business. <clears throat> I'm not dying. <laughs> I don't have. I do not I, have COVID nineteen. I, I would. I would <laughs> opportune time right now to you know tell people to wear your mask and wash your hands. 
<laughs> yeah. Let's have like that. What it is, is it's peanut butter related. <laughs> what I was trying to say is that what I do in my job is just build relationships, you know, and fortunately, I, um, I realize that that's something that is a thing and it's a thing that not everyone is good at and that um, I never thought it was a thing because it's what I've always done coming up in the performing arts, you know what I mean? Like I wasn't a football player. I was like, a, I, I, I'm a drummer. So it's like, I can't go play a gig in a coffee shop by myself as a drummer. You know, I mean, I could, but no one would really want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Unlike a singer, songwriter, guitar player, right? So I have always had to be a collaborator. You know, I've always had to connect with a guitar player or whatever, or, or a, a musician that plays a chordal instrument in order to make, you know, <clears throat> music and not just beats, right? And so that's all I do in this job. So much to the point, uh, I'm really taking the long road to this point no, what, okay. steps of faith, what steps of faith does is fundraisers is the things that come naturally to me which is typically concerts you know <clears throat> um no disrespect to people that do golf tournaments galas and 5ks you know all of the ways people traditionally raise money for charities but i don't know how to do those things you know but what i do know how to do put on a concert or an improv comedy show it's that's another chapter of life you know and so um you know a buddy of mine that that i came up doing improv comedy with right out of high school in kansas city <clears throat> has gone on to have the dream come true you know and and uh it's a guy named jason sudeikis who's from kansas city who's live and is in all sorts of amazing movies and comedic things and and uh you know he and i came together uh three and a half years ago to 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 do, uh, we created a fundraiser that we do in Kansas City every November called Thunder Gong, which is a made-up word that means nothing. Um, and it's it's a uh, it's a fundraising concert, but it's also kind of a comedy show, kind of a variety show. And uh, we can talk more about that if you want. But the the point being, it's the things that I grew up doing naturally, you know, for fun, and then also became my job. And so then in this new job, that's the way we go about raising money because it's the things that come naturally to me. 100%. Right? Yeah. I love that. You know, one thing that I've uh, recently came across, uh, across was um, the show called Crip Camp. Cripple Camp. You cannot yeah. say that word these days without offending someone uh, right. who's a paraplegic, but have you seen it? Unfortunately, no. I have okay. a I have a lot of um, amputee friends that have posted about it and have told me about it. I know it's on Netflix and I have no excuse as to why I haven't watched it yet. Other it's than, okay. I kind of feel like um, there are certain things that I know I want to, I know I need to see. And that's one of them where I kind of feel like I need to be in the right emotional space. For sure. hundred percent. It's gonna like, you know, rattle me right no 100 percent. and i got extremely emotional about it and i would say that when it comes down to it like what you you're able to do and over overcome and accomplish is awesome a lot of people can't and there's been when i watched the show it really just gave me like a really under a big understanding that you know there are people out there that face challenges that are harder 
than others. And, you know, I think it gave me a better perspective and appreciation for, you know, knowing that you have to overcome a lot of things mentally. It's not just the physical part, it's the, the mental part. And um, people have been disadvantaged. And, you know, I, I see the inclusivity aspect of it being very important that we constantly make strides towards inclusivity and understanding that it's not about feeling bad for someone. You know, uh, I think it's about uh, being empathetic and I really appreciate your energy and focus of more about helping other people's lives. It's really not just about your life at all. You know, you've got, um, you know, you've really, I, I've, I would feel that you probably don't know anything different now, 15 years later, right? And it's like, you're not like saying, feel sorry for me or whatever, you know, you've just made this all about your life. You know, you're, you're here to help and enhance others. And so um, I think that you've got it easier in a sense that you're like on the uplifting side, you know? Sure. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate you saying all that. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think a few things that I thought saying that, um, and I lost two of them. Um, just now, but that's, yeah, no, I think, I think a couple things, first of all, as far as, you know, in the time now that we're in, um, you know, just like I said, um, <clears throat> good things can come out of something terrible happening. There's a lot of things happening terrible in America right now and in the world. <laughs> uh, I think that's an understatement, but there are positive reactions slowly happening, uh, as a result of it. So, you know, I, try to maintain a disposition of hope. Um, so, okay, it's coming back to me now. So a, a, a couple things there, um, when it comes to equality and inclusivity and all of that thing, all that kind of stuff, which is beautiful and long overdue, the last group of people <clears throat> to be considered are people that are disabled. Mm -hmm. um, that's not my opinion think about it. It's a fact. Yeah, yeah. Um, I we're, agree. Getting, we're getting louder. The fact that we have to discuss equality when it comes to race is so ridiculous in 2020. And the fact that there's so much kind of regression yeah. that's happened over the last few years is, um, is it infuriates me. Um, you know, I don't, speak about politics online on social media just because a lot of reasons i don't need to there's plenty of loud voices i don't need to scream into the void and you know um as a nonprofit guy you know i don't need to write i mean i have very strong political yeah. views personally but um i will talk about racism because that's that's a that's a, we talked about this a little bit last time. Right? Yeah, we did. That was all very fresh. The mm -hmm. the Floyd stuff was happening, but um, my my point is uh, that's that's not um, political. That's that's human. That's that's 100%. human stuff. You know. So uh, so thank God these voices are being heard, but it's unfortunate that they have to be heard. So my point is that the last group of people, there was even, it was the Oscars or some show where they were talking about in, in the opening a couple years ago, in the opening kind of monologue, dance sequence, that whole kind of thing. I think the point was about how there was either no, you know, very few black filmmakers, I think was the whole, the yeah. 
context of the whole kind of satire, basically, uh, you know, joke they were trying to make. <clears throat> and so then I remember at the end of it, and they were like, and here is one of everybody else, you know, and it was like, you know, a dancer of every color and, and yeah. gender and all of those kinds of things. Um, and then and it was really funny and, and but, you know, and kind of uplifting. But uh, but then when it was over, if an APT friend of mine pointed out online, it was like, yeah, one of everybody except yes. you know, a disabled person. Yeah. So so that that's really important. Uh, so that's a fight, uh, but it's getting better. You're seeing more amputees and, and people in wheelchairs and, and, you know, people with physical disabilities and people with mental disabilities and that kind of thing in modeling camp for clothing and on TV and that kind of thing. So, so progress is being made very slowly, but surely it is happening. And the other thing I was gonna say, um, you know, I didn't grow up an athlete. You know, if, if, the, if the Last Dance Michael Jordan documentary, uh, Chicago Bulls documentary has, has taught us anything, it's like, you know, it's the mental game, right? It, it's the mental game, you know. Um, it, this, to make that guy work so hard. You know what I mean? And so sure. for, for me, yeah, I mean, you can't always control what happens to you physically, but you can at least do your best to control what goes in your mind and what comes out of your 100%. mouth. And so that, that's and going hope. back to that, you know, when I watched this Crip Camp documentary on Netflix, what I also saw was so many similarities when it came to the racial discussions and, you know, and what people are fighting for now, you know, to this day. And, and so many limitations on areas that can be advanced, uh, like technology. There's, there's so many right. things that we uh, need for the entirety of U U.S. citizens to be able to have today. But when you have blind eyes to the fact that we need to recognize that uh, we need to make things, facilities more accessible. And so I think it's very important for us to, you know, diversify our audience or who we talk to and, um, you know, who we interact with because, yeah, inclusion is a big thing, but, you know, I think a lot of times we're just kind of jaded and we're blind to things and we don't, we just think that, you know, the reality of it is it's not my world, so it's not my problem. Well, this is America right now. Um, racism does exist. Um, inequality does exist for all types. And, um, you know, we just have to have conversations with it. And, you know, yes. maybe, that, maybe that betters individuals because now they're more sensitive and they can go about change of some sort, you know. Change is very... Um, one minor it's one thing at a time you know yeah. one step at a time it really is and i, I think <clears throat> yeah i love everything you just said yeah and and yeah if, if if in that bit on the oscars or whatever it was and if they were really representing disability yeah it would have been a stage full of people but the fact that they had no one yeah. that was just just shows like okay yeah it's just this kind of overlooked thing but um that's really, I mean, the name of the game for life, you know, I think is just like, just continue, you know, it's maintaining maintenance and just trying to continue, learn more and just be a better listener and have empathy for people. You know, I mean, even your enemies, so to speak. I mean, I don't feel that I have enemies, you know, literally enemies, but you know what I mean? You have, 
conflict to some extent in your life with people is inevitable. You know, hopefully that conflict isn't, you know, a gunfight, right? Yeah. You know, uh, it's just an argument or whatever. But um, yeah, you know, and the racism thing, and what, what, what's kind of been in my head lately is, and I'll preface this by saying, <clears throat> um, uh, I stopped drinking about four years, not quite four and a half years ago. Um, was a, a drinker from a young age and, and uh, you know, full disclosure, I stopped drinking because I, I'm an alcoholic, you know, and, and, and that can look a lot of different ways. Um, you know, as my wife has said, I wasn't, she didn't even really know you know, I wasn't like falling down. I wasn't, you know, violent. Yeah. You know, I wasn't, uh, it wasn't things like that, you know. Um, but alcohol had a hold on me and it was a really personal thing. And, and I don't talk about it a ton, but I stopped drinking. So, um, and, and that's, you know, one of the best decisions I've ever made. My point is there's a pretty broad spectrum to alcoholism. So, I've had a Facebook post in my mind that I've yet to write because, and probably won't, I'll just save it for you right here, which is basically this thought of, (laughs) yeah. And, uh, you know, which the thought is basically that, that, um, racism is a lot like alcoholism in that it has a very broad spectrum to it. And a lot of people don't even realize they're on it or they refuse to admit it. And so I think that will, if I was still drinking and I read that, I would feel challenged. I would feel offended. Yes. Uh, which is why I want to post it. Yes. <laughs> because a lot of people don't even realize, I mean, they might know in the back of their heads that drinking is a problem, you know? And I mean, I've had, a, I mean, I've, when I've posted about, um, and so meaning it would be challenging to them for a couple people for a couple different reasons. No, I, I totally feel that. I totally feel that. It's like, have, do I have a problem? I don't have a problem. With, I'm offended. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. With either one of them is my point. Yes. Yes. You know, um, I think it's hard to not have, you know, getting off the alcohol tip. Uh, you know, I think that more people than not have had, through the crazy way this country has been built and the way things have played out when it comes to people being different colors, unfortunately. You, you I, know what? It's hard to have not have had racist thoughts to some extent at some point yes, in your life, exactly. even if it's conscious, you know? Um, I mean, I certainly have. You know, especially and that's in, and that's all we want. Speaking on behalf of my entire race, <laughs> I can't I can't do that. You know, I'm just one individual. Sure. That's I think that's what we're after. I think that's what we're all after is just really understanding, acknowledging that, like, hey, we are imperfect. Can we just all agree that we're not perfect, right? I think that would be like that's a first start, right? It's like. I don't have all the answers. I couldn't tell you how to end uh, a lot of our systemic racism, but I can acknowledge that I'm not perfect. And I've said insensitive things in the past, 
being young right. and dumb. Right. And um, I will make more mistakes in the future, even though my brand is Positive People Posse. Um, right. But I am human. And I do acknowledge uh, that there is, there's a lot that we can do better, all of us. And so I think it's just the fact when people just don't admit and they feel like they're flawless and everything's fine because they're not affected by something. Until you get affected by something, that, that really is the reality shake. But, you know, let's be more preventative maintenance rather than, you know, reactive maintenance. Healthcare versus sick care. Yes. I mean, that's what it is, man. I mean, no, you're exactly right. Like, if you are a human being that is alive, you are making mistakes every day. Yes. So if we can just understand that and let ourselves off the hook and be honest about it, and it's, it's really about, like, being honest and taking responsibility and being accountable and then just trying to listen. And so, therefore, having people you know, the, the back to the whole building relationships thing, you know, you have got to have people in your life that can speak into your life and have good friends that are going to give you good advice, especially as you get older, you know, as you get older, we live on our own, whatever. We're not in school with our, our, our groups of friends every day or whatever, you know, but it doesn't just as like, you know, we're talking how our kids were going to homeschool you know, next year, we've officially decided, you know, because of all the craziness of schools, you know, and like you worry about the socialization and that kind of thing, because that's important when kids are young. It's also important for the rest of your life to at least be able to have in different ways, you at least need to have a small a minimum, a small number of, of, of close friends that can speak into your life for your life, for your whole life. Otherwise, you know, we're not meant to live life alone. That doesn't mean everyone is meant to get married or whatever or have a partner. I'm just saying we're not meant to live life alone where there's not people in our lives that will be honest with us because otherwise we get out of step and we get weird. And, you know, I've seen it happen many times. Bad you know? weird. And bad so, weird. We got a book on we're all weird. So bad, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. <laughs> yes. No, not good weird like your book. Yeah. And so. But do you, do you know what I mean? It's no, like we 100%. have honest conversations because, because otherwise you just lose perspective and you lose the plot and it can become all about you and it's never all about me, you know? Um, and yeah, I mean, we're here to serve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Each other. And, um, you know, we all have stuff that we're going through. I mean, you talked to, uh, about that earlier, you know, and, and, and so, you know, I, 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 I it's interesting what you said about me having an advantage, you know, and I think, th again, it's just a perspective thing, but it I is. lose, I lose it all the time. That's the whole thing. But I admit that I lose it all the time and I'm not humble bragging. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a broken human who makes mistakes every day, but I'm not alone. And I'm trying every day to be honest, to, to serve God better, to serve my family better, to serve my, you know, my, my job and my friends, um, and just listen, you know, I mean, that's, that's all we want from people, you know, yeah. and the, the, yeah, anyway. Yeah. No, I totally get it. Um, and going back to the friends thing, um, it, it is really important 
to understand your circle and who your circle is because I have friends who tell me, uh, this is how you f- up. Excuse my language, uh, but they tell me this is this is how you can be better, you know, as a human. They have in the past. And every step of the way, I just recognize that I am a human being and I will continue, um, again, making mistakes. But now I'm more aware. If anything, it creates more. My mistakes have created more awareness. And yes. that's that's all we need is for people to acknowledge that they just don't have all the answers and we can also um, create more synergy by working with different people, you know, people that are not like you at all. And that's what I really do appreciate for school for the most part. I can't speak for all schools. They do try to, there is integration there and collaboration can happen, but how do we make that collaboration even better? How do we enhance that? And I really do believe it's, um, you know, it's, it comes down to music, it comes to conversation. Music's always bringing people together uh, to yes. some aspect. Sports, always. Yeah. Um, you know, um, no, matter, no matter how we think, um, you know, a lot of us get centered around the TV and they watch their favorite football team or the basketball team, and you can see all people there. And so um, don't, don't be racist because one – one race, particular race, could walk off the football field and there, and there not be any more football left. <laughs> and so let's right. just think about all the things, like every aspect that someone brings something to the table. It's like, um, you know, what, whether if it be like the ADA, the Americans with Disability Act, I yeah. think it actually brought more equality, you know, seeing oh, all, yeah. all races being represented. There's a lot of equality right there. There's a lot of synergy that's happening right there between races coming together. And if yes. we, like you said, if, um, you know, if we're here to serve, we're here to help other people. Um, and and that, that really comes to understanding people's stories. Like, and so I feel like if we can learn from um, the Americans with Disabilities Act, if anything, of like what we need to do, you know, it's, uh, you take away, if you only had one race, there would still be a problem. There'd be classism of some kind. So, oh, yeah, I do. You know, we're going to be talking about these issues for years to come, but, you know, the best advantage, but we still want to raise our kids. I don't have any kids yet, uh, maybe one day, but yeah. we still want to raise our kids in this utopia mindset of like, hey, we want our kids to have the best advantages. We also want them to be solid humans. Right. Dude, yes. Yeah, no, you, I love all that. Yeah, I mean, and, and that, that is the thing. Yeah, disability knows no, knows no, um, I mean, I've said this a lot about alcoholism before, but uh, it, it keep coming back to that. But um, disability knows no race or gender or, or, you know, class or anything like that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and, and and it's and a lot of times, especially if it's like something like what happened to me, you know, or or you know, just just when it comes to losing a limb, I mean, no one plans for that or expects that, and you know, um, yeah. It's, so tell so, me, so that's a great point about. That. Awesome. So tell me about that's a great point about the ADA bringing people together. And then the other thing I would say is, if you don't have a handicap pass. Don't park in a handicapped parking spot for just a minute because that minute is the minute 
that somebody who is in a wheelchair is it is looking for a parking spot. Don't park there. Yeah, and you know, lazy and don't... ass. Walk <laughs> your lazy ass through the parking lot like everybody else, jerk. And uh, don't assume that you have a black card to drop the n bomb ever. Like it's. <laughs> I, I was just trying to relate. I was just trying to relate. <laughs> um, hey, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, yeah, don't, you can't do that. You, can't <laughs> you just do can't do that. Just can't do that. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about Thunder Gong. Let's talk about some of the things that you guys are doing as of late. Obviously, a lot of stuff has shifted, and yeah. you can't interact with people the same way. Um, or maybe you can. Yeah. I know Kansas City's operating completely different. Um, I'm in New York now, so um, I know it's a little bit of different matters here, but would yeah. like to know if there's um, you know any any plans moving forward to for fundraising yeah I mean we're always trying to you know the, the nonprofit world is interesting because it's very much a business and um, you actually have to jump through way more hoops and deal with way more crap than uh, a for-profit business in a lot of ways Lots of antiquated thinking when it comes to how nonprofits work. Like, for instance, the people that that work for them should um, be disadvantaged in the way that the people that you're serving are, and you shouldn't be paid, or things like that. Not everybody feels that way, and you know um, that's kind of moving on, thankfully. But you know that's that's ridiculous. You know. Yeah. So, um, uh, so so my point is, and, and go pause real quick and just for people to understand how a nonprofit works. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners and people that would know, but um, it's not the fact that you shouldn't get paid. It's just about how you disclose it. Right. And you guys are, it's, is it really about like what you disclose? Yeah. Well, it's more about like, if you go to, you know, um, what was that really great place in, uh bear burger is that a place is that what i'm saying in New York? <laughs> I'm not bear okay there's Sounds a place great, though. that i love bear burger i wonder if that's still there um anyway if you go to your favorite burger place okay and you give them your money um they're gonna give you the delicious food you desire right and then they use that money to right so when you go to uh, a nonprofit. Uh, let's say steps of faith as a for instance and you give us your money we use your money to buy prosthetic legs and arms to restore mobility to other people and then you get a tax credit for that and jewels in your crown in heaven and you should feel great right so it is a business just like the burger place right only it's not like this person gives their money to that business and then this person gets the thing. You're yeah. helping other people. That's it. And it's a different tax denomination. Otherwise, it is a business like anything else. Okay? So we are a small organization. We just now, as of this year, have three full-time employees. And that's seven years in. Um, you know, it started with me uh, when Rob, you know, blessed me with this opportunity, like I talked about. So, so my, my, my point is, and we definitely, yeah, and unlike a for-profit company, you know, uh, you probably can't go online and find out what the CEO of Bear Burger um, 
which I don't even know if it's still a business, but we're going to keep going with the example. <laughs> go with it. Dom. I'm getting hungry. Um, but, uh, you know, you probably can't go on online and find out what, what that guy makes, you know, what his salary is. You can go online and find mine, you know, and that's fine with me. You know what I mean? Um, because that's, you know, that's how it transparency. works. Transparency. It's transparency. And some people have taken advantage of the situation, which yes. is why these kinds of things exist. We had a donor reach out to us recently, somebody I didn't know. Uh, he had tried to call Annie and emailed. And he was asking about like, what's the percentage of how the money works and that kind of thing. And first of all, um, the way he asked it just kind of showed the antiquated way of thinking and his ignorance. Yes. And so if you go to this link on guidestar.org, that's a website that exists, that they get their information from the IRS and information that we give them um, that exists to answer questions like that, you know? And so I just had to assume he didn't know about that. And so um, you can go on there and see what we spent money on, you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing. But there's also anecdotal things. It doesn't say, here's how many people we helped. You can see what I make for a living, you know, what I'm, what, what, we, what I'm paid and all that kind of thing. But it doesn't show you, um, I don't think, um, at least it's not on the, the nonprofit tax return as a different kind of form because it's, you don't pay income tax, right? Um, excuse me. Um, you know, but that's the whole thing. It's like, it's all about leveraging relationships. You know, with Steps of Faith, we, the, the money we make, you know, th there's no Steps of Faith without people to run it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not a trust fund kid. You know, uh, most people are not. So it's like, we should be paid just like the, just like the people that work at Bear Burger, right? To, to help people. So is, is this making sense? Yeah, you know? no, 100%. And so what we do is we're always trying to leverage the donor's dollar to take it further. You know, I don't decide my salary. I never have. You know what I mean? I have a board of directors. So even though I'm the executive director, you know, and I'm essentially, you know, the boss of the company, right? Um, you know, I have, uh, at this point, we have a 14-member board currently, you know, and so those are the people who make those decisions on not how we spend the money within the company, but on how what I'm paid, you know what I mean? I have say I, in, in what my employees make, but ultimately it is not a decision in which I can vote on, you know? So anyway, uh, you know, but what we do is we're leveraging the relationships we have to take the donor's dollar further so that we can help as many people as we possibly can, but also help them well. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like everyone gets the same thing. You know, there's, I, I always say there's a lots of different um, prosthetic options because there's lots of different body options, you know? And so, um, you know, what I wear is a $60,000 prosthesis, you know, that's ridiculous. That that's it's that a car. Money. Yeah. That's a really nice car. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous that it's that amount of money, but if they made as many of these robot legs as they did iPhones, because there were that many people to want to would want to buy them, they would be considerably cheaper. But that's not how it works, and the medical world is weird, and that's the world we live in here in America. Yeah. So, but fortunately, I have health insurance these days that takes care of that. Steps of Faith can, you know, what we do also, just to get into that a little bit, is, so I always say we're the middleman. We're the middleman between, A, the donor who's giving us their money, that the donors are the heroes of the story, um, and then uh, what we do is then connect the patients that need our help, that have no health insurance, that just need to get back to work or whatever that was they were doing. 
we connect them with a prosthetist and then they put the patient back together. So the heroes are the donors and the prosthetists and the winners of the whole thing are the patients. Just helping facilitate the whole thing. And those prosthetists, the leg guys or the arm guys, they're donating their time, okay? They're donating their time, doing it for free, and then we pay for the stuff. We pay for the parts. We send them to them and they put them together. And furthermore, we pay uh, for those parts at a rate that we have negotiated through relationships, again, leveraging relationships, so that we're able to spend as little money as possible to get the best stuff possible to help people. Then with the hope that it is an investment in which they will then be able to get on some sort of state funding or some sort of insurance plan. And then they become a paying patient to the prosthetist that donated oh. their time. So it doesn't always work out that way, yeah. um, but that is always the goal, right? Everybody has a different story. Some people are older, some people are already retired or whatever the case may be. But anyway, just to kind of zoom in on how a nonprofit works, how people are paid, how you report that kind of stuff. And then also kind of the nuts and bolts of how it works specifically with Steps of Faith. Some people may have fallen asleep over the last 10 minutes as I've been discussing that. Uh, wake up, we're back. I'm still here, Talk I'm about still here. Gong. No, oh, good. So, so, so yeah, dude, so we've been trying to raise money however we can, you know? I mean, fortunately, um, like I said, we normally, you know, our, our biggest fundraiser every year by far, I mean, Thundergong, you know, we just started it in 2017 and that changed everything for us. You know, we had a budget of $150,000 that year. You can wow. go online and see that. Wow. Uh, we had a budget of $150,000. So that was to pay me to pay uh, a part, one part-time employee. Uh, we had, uh, we had a free office, you know, we, we pay an accountant and a bookkeeper because ex essentially we exist to facilitate this service and then pay for it. He does the paying of the bills, right? Yeah. Um, to help uh, that year was 52 people, right? Wow. In a week. So we almost ran out of money a couple times like we had every other time that year. Um, Sudeikis and, and Kay Cannon from our board of directors and some other people came in with some very generous gifts that basically pulled us out of the, you know, the, the, the depths of almost running out of money. Um, and then Sadekis and I came together and did Thundergong, and then that raised one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. So wow. we hit the goal, and then that we basically doubled our goal. So it was like winning the lottery, the dream coming true, all that. And we've done it two years since then. And it's raised about three hundred dollars the last two three three hundred thousand dollars the last two years. So um, that's a lot of fun. It's a blast. Right now, he and I are playing phone tag to uh, figure out if we can make a virtual Thundergong happen. I think that if we can get, if Jason has time and we can get the right, um, you know, names involved and it lives on the right piece of real estate, i.e. It, it lives online in a place that's easy for people to access yeah. and people know about it, we can have a much broader reach than putting on this really fun concert variety show in Kansas City to 2,000 plus people right and raising hopefully three hundred thousand dollars or more i mean at that point we could reach the world right it's online yeah. yeah so that's our hope and prayer we'll see um again it's a weird year and 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 it's it's been strange we've we've had um i estimated over a hundred thousand dollars not counting thundergong in 
of what we would have hoped to have bring in from live fundraisers that we would normally do um, not be able to happen for because of the, the virus this year. So, but there's also money that we had not planned for from um, some very generous people that has come in. So we're alive, we're surviving. Um, our, our board treasurer is, um, you know, one of the top executives of, uh, of uh, one of the largest companies in the prosthetic world, I'll just put it at that. And he just said, I remember he said at a board meeting we had a couple months ago, he said, surviving, this business surviving this year is victory. Yeah. Um, we're, but, but I'm trying to shoot above that. So we are, we are going to survive this year. And for us, the catch is um, bringing in enough money before the end of the year that so we'll still survive through quarter one of next year when no one gives money to nonprofits, right? Yeah. So, and so I, yeah. I have seen some interesting statistics with nonprofits. Uh, I believe uh, what I what came across was the estimate of uh, nonprofits will be re drastically reduced by somewhere in upwards of thirty to forty percent in the next three to five years. And so, every bit of fundraising, you know, is it's really important, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it can be a scary thing. And don't quote me on that. I do remember reading it somewhere. I have to find that statistic. But, um, you know, it's very important that we're of service to people that are of service. Like, I, I truly believe in giving back. Um, a, because it makes me feel good. You know, it makes me feel good that I'm helping make impact of some kind. Not just, not for me to just praise and say, hey, look, look what I did. But. Yeah. At the same time, you know, it that does feel good too. So whatever, whatever gets you going with giving, just just when you give back, you know, give back to people that are actually making some change that you can see. And yeah. you know, what I can see with Steps of Faith is you're, you're, there's actually an equation here. You're yes. if you raise X amount of dollars, this helps X amount of people. So yes. you know, I think that's really important to think about. You know, so you know, just Think about when you are, you know, uh, giving, you know, who it's helping. So that's huge. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that. And you're right. And, and you know, no disrespect to nonprofits that exist to, say, raise awareness about things or, or fund research. I mean, all of those things are incredibly important. Um, I do believe there are some things that I'm surprised the IRS granted them 501c3 status. Yeah. Uh, but obviously there's a lot of it. There is no private jet, <laughs> right? There's no shortage of incredible causes, but, but when you talk about the equation, yeah, it's, it's a really um, easy to see equation. You know, again, um, you give us your donation. Um, we're, you know, you, you not only get a tax credit, which is, which is nice, but um, you know, you, you see your dollars in action with every step and a, a, a person takes that we've helped, you know, every new limb we're able to give somebody. And, you know, just to, to put my personal feelings as someone who's lost a limb into that, you know, and not as like the guy who runs the company or whatever, it's more than just a physical thing. It's, it's not like, it's not like um, you put on a pair of comfortable shoes after you've been wearing high heels and then you're like, oh, well, that's better. You know, but now I can more easily walk across the room. And it's yeah. like, well, there's that. You know, it's like the, it's like, no, you couldn't walk across the room at all before. Yeah, this is <laughs> you know? life changing. Uh, 
it's life changing and, and it's not only, you know, um, a physical thing. Um, it, it, it's, it's mind, body, spirit, all emotions, all of that. And it's not only a thing that affects you, it's the community of people around you. And I'm talking your family, I'm talking your friends, I'm talking your job, you know, the, the marketplace, you know, the economy. I mean, it's like what we do from a cause standpoint can feel like niche, I know, to a lot of the world versus, you know, poverty or, or cancer or things like that, right? Um, but uh, it's no less important, you know, to, to that maybe smaller population of people. But, you know, there's over 2 million Americans, just, just Americans, I'm not talking about other parts of the world, um, that have lost a limb, you know, and it's 500 people a day. 500 people a day in this country lose a limb. So it's, you know, it's more people than you think. And, um, you know, when we talk about, you know, parking in the handicapped spots and, and, and um, uh, you know, the, the ADA and things like that, you know, um, I'm able to, for the most part, live my life physically and do all of the things I did before, um, for the most part, you know. Um, and that is because... I have health insurance and therefore I have access to the right to have access to the $60,000 prosthesis, which is the right tool for my body as a 43 year old active man. Right. Yeah. Um, what faith does, what people do with their dollars when they give us donations is we give access to people who can't, we give the tools to those people who don't have access to them. I don't yeah. feel like a handicap. I don't think like a handicapped person very often exactly. because I don't feel like a handicapped person very often because I have access to the right tools. So, yeah. No, I really appreciate that. That's, I think that gives me a lot more perspective on just like nonprofits in general, but you know, I, I truly believe that, you know, people constantly need a little bit more education, understanding how many nonprofits are different too. And, yeah. um, you know, your cause, it's not, it's not just like, oh, it's a nonprofit, you know, like, I'm, again, you know, I'm, I'm not the one who pokes holes at every nonprofit, but that's still at the same time, when, when I know how the dollars are being utilized, and knowing that it can change lives, that fact of 500 people a day losing a limb, that's, that's astonishing to me. And so where do you, where do you see you guys, like in the perfect world in utopia? Um, how do you feel? Uh, where do you want Steps of Faith to go in the next, like, five years? Like, would it be yeah. helping other people in different countries or? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I still feel like we got a lot of work to do, uh, not just Steps of Faith, but we as Americans helping amputees in need in, in this country. But, yeah, definitely, you know, and, you know, actually, you know, there's, uh, what was the stat? Five, uh, over 5 million Americans have lost health insurance since February. Yeah. So that means people who never thought they need help, you know, that, you know, are going to need our help. Uh, and we've already started to see an uptick in that. So, so, you know, to answer your question, um, you know, the last three years have been really incredible growth for us. And I'm really thankful for that. This is obviously, like I said, a weird year for everybody. Um, but, the when I talked about how the, the, the money works, you know, uh, so really, therefore, there's kind of two sides to the business. There's the side of the business, which is the, the what we do part of what we do, 
right? Um, uh, getting, you know, helping APTs, you know, helping APTs that, that are uninsured get new limbs and the process up of that. And then there's also the whole other side of the business, which is raising money. Um, and so the raising money part of the business has been, like I said, really hard. Um, but the, the mission part, the, what we do has, you know, it only dipped, it only slowed down a little bit. And that's just because processes were being furloughed because no one was going anywhere because they were afraid to leave their house. Right. Um, and so, you know, our, uh, last year we had a goal to, you know, to, let's see, 2017, I said, we were going to help 52 people. We helped 56 and, you know, our world changed for the better. Uh, 2018, the goal was to help, um, uh, uh, 70 people. We helped 76. Last year, the goal was to help 100 people. In 2019, we helped 133. So this year, the goal, um, which I'm proud to say we are still on track to hit as of today, the goal is to help 150 people. Um, and, you know, we're, we're on track to hit it and hopefully beat it as well. So to answer your question in five years, I don't know exactly, but I would like to keep growing at the same rate, if not even faster, you know, um, part of the growth last year and being able to help so many more people and so many more people than the goal, you know, 33 more people than the goal when just two years earlier, the goal was only 52, um, is because we were able to hire a third employee, you know, and that's because we're funded well enough to do it, you know, and again, go online, see what that person, see yeah. the amount of money that we are paying that person. Um, but, uh, you know, so I just, the company to keep growing, the, the, the no matter what, um, then people unfortunately are going to keep losing limbs. And um, uh, since we don't live in utopia and since our healthcare industry in this country, which of course, by the way, is a misnomer, it's not healthcare. Yeah. Health insurance because health insurance companies don't care about you. Thank you. They don't care about you and they don't care about your doctor. Yep. Actions speak louder than words. They're going to say with their words something differently, but look at their actions. Seriously, ask doctors. Yeah, how health no, seriously. Companies screw them over, right? Yeah, just all insurance doctors. in general, you know, <laughs> yeah. shouldn't be so, like that. You're paying into a system. You should be. Of course. Yeah. So, so my, my point is, you know, unfortunately, uh, a health insurance is a, is a messed up scenario here in this country. So uh, the need for what we do is not going away. So, so really, I just want the, I just want the organization with Steps of Faith to continue to grow and thrive. And, and frankly, I, I'm tr what I'm trying to do is build the organization to where it can, um, it can continue to grow and thrive long after the people who originally built it have left. Mm -hmm. you know? um, people will keep losing limbs forever, unfortunately. So I want Steps of Faith to, to last forever. In a utopia, to answer your question, but yeah. utopia, I want it to continue to grow and help people forever, long after I'm dead and gone, you know, um, or, you know. Yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure there's, there's people and opportunities that you would like to, um, you know, empower people to have as well. You know, like that's, that's the goal for positive people policy constantly is uh, how can we empower other people to be creative and, you know, what, what other people other than salespeople uh, for digital marketing that we can have living this world, you know, so you want to give people shots and opportunities and other yes. outlook on life too. So 
Yeah, man. Um, yeah. Also, right now, Thunder Gong is, is still in the works. You guys are still trying to figure out some kinks and, and different things. Um, I would love to help you at any capacity as far as uh, marketing goes, whether if it be like the technical aspect of trying to figure out how to stream. Uh, I've got a team of production people. Um, any way that we can yeah. donate our time to help figure out, would love to be, uh, love to assist you guys on. And um, yeah, I mean, maybe even also uh, figure out a way that we can help you you guys out with our through our children's book. You know, they're, they're my, we've got affiliate, we've got affiliate marketing with our children's book that we allow organizations to, um, you know, basically reap, you know, 10%, um, you know, back to whatever, just by promoting the book and helps us out because we really want to get this message about inclusivity out. You know, I think yeah. that's really big for us, but, um, yeah, love to uh, figure out any way that we can collaborate with you guys. I'm all about who you are as a person. I think that's what it comes down to is the relationship level first um, because yeah. I would not care about your organization if I didn't feel like you were you were a good person or sure uh, or you had you know good intent you know that makes yeah. any sense so yeah it any way that we can, yeah love to help man I love that I love that I, I really appreciate you saying all that and man I love talking to you and I'm so glad you reached out to me you know appreciate that. We, we connect and and yeah you know we'll you know we, we have our fingers crossed about about doing some version of thunder gong or something along those lines uh hopefully in the fall the original you know Th thunder gong is always in the first week or two uh usually the second weekend of november so that date is still held at the uptown theater in kansas city we will not be putting uh 2600 people in the uptown theater yeah uh, but we may be using it, hopefully, you know, with um, a film crew to to film to to be you know broadcasting, so to speak, um, some stuff from there live. But again, it, it's all up in the air. Um, uh, so much of it is is you know just Jason and I getting on the on the same page. But we we, we are that is happening very soon, and and uh, we have we have high hope. You know, we just kind of keep the. The, the fire's burning and that, that, that you know, the, the entertainer in me just hopes that we can kind of just bring this really fun, unique thing, which I know Thunder Gong is for Kansas City, to the, you know, the virtual airwaves and the internet and that kind of thing. And it can just be this fun thing for people, but that can also raise a ton of money to help I'm, that need I'm it. Definitely, I'm definitely picturing some pre-recorded segments and things that I've seen on the actual SNL as of late. So oh, yeah. yeah, I yeah. think there's a, yeah, there's a lot of cool production things you guys can do, but you know, it's just yeah. rolling with the punches, man. We're that's all it. getting knocked down. <laughs> yeah. It's got to get up, you know? Yeah, man. Um, yeah. I appreciate your time. And, um, you know, yeah. thank you again for being on here. It's the positive people posse living room and stay tuned to next time. <laughs>